Welcome to It's a Good Life, a podcast dedicated to helping you live your best one. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, thanks for joining me. We're continuing on our conversation here with Rick Pasteur, who's in Amsterdam and staying up late to give us the good stuff here. We're talking about Rick's fantastic book, Grip, The Art of Working Smart and Getting to What Matters Most. Brilliant stuff. I like that you talked about Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey's eventually the Covey-Franklin organization, which was the Franklin Planner, merged. Hiram Smith was the CEO of the Franklin Planner Company, and his book was called What Matters Most. So it's fascinating that here you are with this fresh new approach. You're touching on these principles that these brilliant guys have been talking about for a long, long time. We were talking about how to really make your week more productive, and we were talking about that you have seven motivators. And I'd love to start off this episode by the seven motivators you found to help us getting moving, because some people are stuck, and to really start being productive. And I'd just love to jump into that, and it's really, uh, it's very how-to-sy, which I like. Yeah, so, so what I wanted to do with this section is, as soon as you know what you want, as soon as you know what you want to do, sometimes you need a little bit of an extra push and you need a toolkit to make sure you get through your day. And um, so, I, so I gathered some some of my um, best tools to help you get started, help you um, during the task and also help you to complete it. Um, and so there, like, I think it goes uh, way too deep to go to, to dive into all of them. But one that I, um, that I always, always return to is the just one bite. Uh, thing that helps you get started getting started is actually really hard especially if you don't feel like it right and if you if if i refer to what we what we spoke about last time is about um uh, how do we unfeel like move move from feeling to planning and towards strategizing and and sometimes you you don't feel like it and the just one bite thing um and and i have young kids so i know how this goes like they are not they don't want to try anything new <laughs> uh, but uh, I can maybe tease them into 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 taking one little bite, and for me that's with a task. It's the same way. Commit to um, at least three five minutes of writing, for example. If you if you if you if you if you want to do something like that, commit to um, drafting, like make a list of bullets of of an outline of the report that you need to write. And I can guarantee you nine out of the ten times that you do this that you draft this in the first five minutes, you feel like, oh, okay, I can do this. I can I can make this happen. Right. And then so they, then yeah. you can get started. So that's the just one bite. It takes away the overwhelm. Now, I'm a systematic guy, and I just want to go through because we have a little bit of time. I just want you to, let's say we're doing a fast-paced interview. Good, good, okay. This pot of gold, give yeah. me a couple of sentences of what the pot of gold motivator means. Okay, so that means, of course, building on top of the uh, beginning with the end in mind, it means yep. that you know what you're working towards, that you mm-hmm. always refer to, okay, what am I actually getting at here? The pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? Oh, yeah. A reference to a leprechaun, perhaps? Could that be a put down from a Dutchman to an Irishman? I don't think so. So great. What's the end in mind, right? So there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I got to have an idea what I'm trying to achieve. Exactly. Then you're jumping into just one bite, which is this is the first step, right? You don't have to be great to start. You got to start to be great. How do you eat the elephant one bite at a time? You don't do the whole rainbow, but you got to take that first step. And you're saying that the first bite is tasty enough to go, you know what? I think I could take another bite. Powerful stuff. Talk about hyper-focus real quick. 
So hyper focus is the thing that we that that the environment has a huge influence over if we can get a job done or not. And uh, so if there if I can take one thing out, it's giving yourself the gift of switching off all of your notifications uh, right now for all of the things that you own, because your time and your energy, your 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 energy and attention levels is way too precious to let it disturbed by I don't know some random text, right? If it's really urgent, people will call you. Switch those off. But there are also some other things like invest in a good set of headphones, making sure your um, your field of view is is clean and clear. There's all these kind of things that can distract you. So that's... You know what I do? You want to know what my hyperfocus looks like? Now, this is old school stuff. But I found... One of the things I like about the iPhone is that it gives me a feedback on how much time I'm viewing my screen during the week. And it always alarms me. Yeah. Yeah. Even when I'm doing my best to shut it down. So I'll have a deal where I, okay, I've got to work on this for the next few hours. So if I'm working from home, for example, or even in my podcast studio here, I will take my phone and I put it in the trunk of my car. And the reason being is that it's a pain in the butt to have to get up and go get it. And what happens is I find is that I get into a rhythm. I get into a rhythm. You know, focus is the application of your mind, but you need a bit of a rhythm, which is that momentum. And now I'm getting stuff done. And the next thing you know, I don't miss it at all. And so that's my technique during the work days. And I don't do it every day. But when I know I got a big project, that I got to get something done. The cell phone's in the trunk of the car. Just the trunk of the car. And it's funny, like when you first do it, you're like a crack addict. You're like, yeah. Exactly. I wonder who's calling me. I wonder what I missed. Oh, I hope the house didn't burn down. And then after a while, you go, eh. If the house burns down, they'll find me, you know? Exactly. And I think if I may add one thing there, it's that work is not a hobby. Work is a profession. And we should also treat it in that way. There's thousands, maybe millions of people that treat their hobby as a runner way more serious than their day job in terms of their gear, in terms of setting themselves up for success. So that's also hyper-focus, knowing how to get into this state. I have a few friends who are golfing buddies. My son is all into golf now. And I tell him, you know, just so you know, you're not getting paid for this. You got to get paid for the other stuff. Exactly. Talk about catalyst. What does catalyst mean to you? Yeah, so so, so that means that... Um, there are there are things you can do to make sure you're getting the benefits of the energy of others when you're working. The key here is to make sure that you can share the stuff that you do early on, right? So the, the sooner you can do that, the bite the bite sized things you can share with your team that give you that that give you a boost of um, appreciation, uh, but also make sure that you're on the right track. Um, again, nothing groundbreaking, but what I see a lot with young people is that they. They lock themselves up for a full day or two days or three days. They get stuck. They lose their energy. They lose the momentum. While if they would have said, okay, I'm going to draft a first thing in one hour, send it around, get some feedback, and then keep it going, right. that's the catalyst. So right. set yourself up with a system right. for sharing and gathering feedback early on. Getting some feedback and doing a little brainstorming, which is exactly why creativity is down worldwide right now, is because... A catalyst, you know, we need to ricochet. We need to bounce ideas off one another. And so that synergy is lost. You know, none of us is as smart as all of us. Exactly. And so that's where we're missing. Then you talk about perfecting your craft. I, I really like that idea. I go to a place where the, where the, where the monks are here in, in the Netherlands every so often. And what I love about them is they focus on the on the movement so so much. They focus on how they do certain things and they get a, 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 a feeling of, of joy out of it um it, it like the, the movement the doing gives them the motivation not the end result 
and uh, you mentioned being a capitalist and and i have the same like i i get a lot of joy with the end result but um well often that end result is not near right so so if we can get comfortable with the motion that we are doing then that gives a lot of energy to actually do the work if we get like if we if we focus on the joy of 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 improving that our craft basically yeah and that's really about being in the present right isn't it that really what the dynamic is and I've had a great privilege of being a guest at monasteries in my life and very present people, very unhurried present people. And many times what we find in the hurried life that we live today is we're not present. You know, we're not present with our loved ones. We're not present in our relationships. We're not present with ourselves. And for those of us who have a faith tradition, not present there either. So that's a beautiful thing. Tell me about the Boy Scout rule. What does that mean? Yeah, so so okay, we're we're getting into the to the end of of a task, right? So you're you're almost at the end. So how can you get get a little bit of extra motivation to do it well? Well, one thing that I that is really useful for me is indeed focusing on leaving the well the planet better than I than I found it. So that's one of my my one of my personal principles. But also for work, what what I what I know is that if I'm in the area, if I'm I don't know building a a, a piece of code that uh, that I'm working on in my startup, or if I'm I'm writing a, a certain document and I and I come across some other stuff that's in the same folder that's not organized. Um, while I'm there, um, I can also quickly make sure that's arranged, right? And that that, that that's like it, it's tricky because you can um, you can go off course, you can like end up down the rabbit trails, yeah. Uh, a full day reorganizing reorganizing your pantry and stuff like that. But um, it's really useful to apply to some moments where you feel like if you do this. Um, um, if you are disciplined enough to do a, a small bite every time, over time you will have like um, all the thing, all of the things that you touch will be better off, right? So that's something that to keep in mind that um, uh, that helps me do the job and finish the job better. And then lastly, a chain reaction, which sounds kind of fun. So I think there, there it's um, um, it's uh, about setting. Uh, the team energy emotion, and this is one of the very few parts of the book where I'm actually talking about collaboration, because I really wanted um, to gather strategies that are useful in what 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 kind of environment you are in, um, and whatever kind of environment you're in. So it's really focused around you, but you can um, really leverage um, uh, leverage the, the the finalizing a task by making sure someone else knows that it's that it's done, and, and this is again something that. I was thinking, should I put this even in? But uh, still, I come across this so much where I work with people, and they say, "Yeah, it's it's done." And I, okay, but did you did you did you let someone know? Uh, no, no, I I just left it there. Okay, and then a full day went by before the next person comes and picks it up. Of course, you feel frustrated that one, your work is not being noticed or valued, or that work was in vain. I mean, one of the greatest punishments, right? Nelson Mandela talks about Robin Island and. In order to break their spirit, the guards would have them move a pile of rocks from one place to another. And meaningless work, work that doesn't move the dial, all this effort is done and it doesn't get picked up by somebody else. You know, some people just don't want to be celebrated for their work, or some people go, I said I would do it, so I did it, what's the big deal? But it really is that dynamic of collaboration and connecting, because if you do work, it should go somewhere. It should go somewhere to someone. Exactly. And uh, when we miss that loop, it's a big deal. Exactly. And it's maybe also a bit cultural because uh, the Dutch are not like really famous for standing up and shouting off the rooftops oh, that they yeah. did fantastic work. No. So so it's a bit like for us, this is really relevant. 
Um, um, but I do think it's a reminder here that do your, your work is not finished until someone else knows in a team. That's great. And by the way, Americans are fantastic at self-promotion. Yes. And they forget to do this too, throughout work and throughout life. And not everybody is self-promotional that way. And it's not really done for self-promotion. It's just, like you say, it's not done until you've told somebody. So we have the seven motivators, the pot of gold, the just one bite, hyper-focus catalyst, perfecting your craft, the Boy Scout rule, chain reaction, far more developed in the book, obviously. One last little thing I would love you to cover in the week, which is something that, again, some of this stuff I did intuitively and didn't know why I was doing it. But this one particular thing, when I was running a small business for 10 years, before the business I have today, this one thing was phenomenal for me in my real estate business before, and now I do it in this larger context, which is the Friday recap. And uh, I just think it's a fantastic thing. So can you walk us through what a Friday recap looks like? Yeah, so, so the question that I would start off with is, if you, like, do you have any moment in your week where you sit, for yourself where you sit down and reevaluate how your week was and also what you will do next week? And I often ask this in, when I'm and giving a lecture or when I'm talking, when I'm talking about this stuff. And then uh, maybe 20, to, uh, 20 or 30% of the group um, uh, raises their hand. That means that the rest of the group is just, I don't know, waking up, uh, opening up their laptop or computer and uh, thinking, okay, what should I do? Uh, let's see. And the Friday recap is basically uh, turning this whole thing upside down and saying, okay, I give you the gift of 30 minutes for yourself to reevaluate what happened last week. So that's the first segment of it. I will go over my calendar, go over my to-do list, go over my notes, make sure that everything is in order and take the, the, the remaining 15 minutes of that, sec- of that session to look at my calendar of next week and then thinking, hey, w- what are the top three priorities and how does this relate to my calendar? The really simple, the really simple act. But this, this, is the, this is the time where I'm allowed to reevaluate all my decisions. I'm allowed to um well to go in my feelings a bit and then think like hey this is feel this is feel good or how does this relate to uh, and that's maybe something that we can even cover in a bit but like how does this map to what I want to do in this year like how does this relate to the rest of the stuff that's going on um this is the moment in my week where I'm where I'm doing this it's uh, it's and it's precisely that looking back and looking ahead reflective a little bit of what went well what do I still need to work what was a priority that I didn't get to what was something that hijacked a priority? And because you reflect, you take it into next week and say, okay, I, I don't want that to happen again. You know, if I didn't quite nail it last week and, or, hey, that was great. I want to duplicate that again. I feel good about what happened this week. I'm looking for another one of those. You know, you string enough of those weeks. You know, one of the things we had developed in our coaching program was a formula called win the day. And the win the day was, we'd say it's 24 hours in a day. But in our system, which was a lead generation process for your business, if you spend two hours a day you won the day. Two hours a day in the lead generation for a small business owner means you crushed it. Now, what do people think? Okay, in order to do the week, I have to do it seven days a week. No. If you do that four days out of the week, you do the two days, you won the week. And then here's, there's 4.3 weeks in a month. If you did it three weeks a month, you won the month. If you won eight months out of the year, you were a rock star. We would help people double and triple. We have 22,000 clients in the real estate space that average 10 times the income of the average realtor, 10 times. And we've done this with tens of thousands of people. And it's because we try to help them win the day, not perfectly, win the week, not perfectly, win the month, not perfectly, and win the year, not perfectly. And they imperfectly outperform their competitors 10 to 1. 
I think that's one of the dynamics of productivity. You, you don't have to be perfect. Let me segue here. I think we've crushed the week between our last episode and today. Let's dive in and finish up if we can. I want to talk about how to grip your year and grip your life. So talk about grip and the year. One of the things that I noticed is that a lot of people are tired of hearing the words goals and metrics and OKRs and big rocks and whatever. And the reason that I think that's the case is that, well, again, there is no there is no personal alternative that's get presented in a way that benefits you. It's most often that's beneficial for the company and it's used as a stick. It's used as a stick to, to, uh, to get us to do even more, uh, right? And I wanted to shift a little bit and think about, okay, um, now we have a structure for better weeks. What, am I, what are we working towards and what systems and tools are there out there and how can I simplify them um, that that is a system that's just there and that you will hit uh, every so often. Just like you at New Year's, we will think about resolutions. Most people think about those at least and maybe not, not set them, but of course, um, uh, this is something that's returning. And what I wanted to do with Grip, uh, Grip Your Life is give you a framework of zooming out so you will have better weeks. And the framework is really simple. You set goals per quarter. The reason for that is that uh, quarters are used in the, in businesses as well. So it, it aligns with that. It's really simple. It's a longer than a month. So you can do decent projects, but it's way shorter than a year. So it gives you three extra chances in the year to start over, which is the, the entire premise of this, whole, of this whole book is that um, the system is here to help you and you are not here to help the system. So you can disregard anything what, what you don't like. That's fine. But there's also some points in the year that you see, oh, oh, okay, the new quarter is coming up. Oh, maybe I can try it again, right? So that's the that's the quarter level. And then you set some goals per quarter. And then in the Friday recap, you're going to see the goals and make and then think about how do these uh, find a place in my calendar for next week. That's the gist. That's the gist of it. There's two things to this. One is, how do I set goals? There's books and stacks of books written about how to how to set better goals. For me, it 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 ties down. It comes down to really to two simple rules. One, it needs it needs to make me super excited um, from the get go. I need to be excited about it. And two is, I need a friend to be able to say that it's done. Um, that's my very simple way of um, making it, making it, making them really concrete. So I need a friend to be, to be able to tell me, okay, um, well, prove it to me that you, that you've done this. So it needs to be measurable and then it fits into the quarter. So that's one part. Uh, that's how I write my goals. And then the second part, which, which is where I'm ending the second part of the, the book uh, with the, the grip your year is the, the idea of uh, a partner in crime. And I'm, I'm, I'm quite disciplined. But I still, uh, I procrastinate. I uh, there's a lot of things that pull my attention. Like there's YouTube, there's Netflix, there's all kinds of stuff that I that I also enjoy. So what I've did is I asked a friend to uh, sit with me every week for thirty minutes, uh, and we go over how we felt last week, what we enjoyed, uh, what did not go well, and we say, okay, I'm going to do next week A, B, and C. And then come Tuesday, I will talk to this guy again, Derek, his name is, and then he will say, okay, Rick, what happened? Uh, is it done or not? And then I'm, then I'm, and also Monday evening, uh, I'm reviewing this list and I'm like, okay, I need to make sure this is done. So and now folks, I just want to point out at this stage that I did not pay Rick Pasteur to put that in his book or to put that in our podcast today. 
And the fact that we happen to have trained coaches who do a half hour in coaching someone and helping someone and hold them accountable. One of the dynamics, and I'm sure you've had this, you're about to meet with your friend on Friday. It's Thursday at 11. Yeah, yeah. Uh, suddenly a flurry of activity breaks out. And we've seen this on thousands of coaching appointments over the year. And it's just because the deadline was there. You know, in, in America, they have to file their taxes on April 15th. And amazingly, the post offices in America are open till midnight on April 15th. And they will actually have their staff out on the road outside the post office with big giant containers where people can drive by at 11 o'clock and drop their taxes off. Yeah, that's how it works. Now, there's times when it's a leap year or whatever else, or the calendar falls and April 15th is a Sunday. So they'll extend it to April 16th. The people don't drop it off on Friday. They drop it off on Sunday. They drop it off on Monday. They drop it off on the date. Someone often said a goal is a dream with a deadline. And then having the accountability to share, to brainstorm, to partner. Now, I happen to believe in this. I happen to believe in coaching. I also believe in accountability partners because there's nothing more powerful than let's do this together. And then I also believe in small group synergy to get together with people on a, you know, maybe not as regular base, but to connect, brainstorm with your peers. And for me, just so you know, I have this in multiple areas of my life. I have business consultants. I have a personal trainer. You know, I'm a very disciplined guy, but I have a trainer who comes to my home because it's just easy to miss it. It's easy to make an excuse. So that accountability with, along with that encouragement, whether it's coaching, whether it's a peer on the journey, or whether it's a synergy group you belong to, it's magic. It's a formula that works, and that's why productivity works, and that's why the power of it. But I just want to point out that I didn't ask you for the plug there, but it, it's just right. Truth is truth. The thing is that that as soon as you realize that the profession that being a professional relies on a, a certain set of systems, and as soon as the feeling sets in that for some for a lot of people that's not clear that you are responsible for building these systems, but as soon as you have them. Those are what going to was what are really going to propel you um, forward. This is what I've done. I go on my LinkedIn. I uh, browse my list of, of vague connections there. I picked out this guy that I've done, done some dealings with that I kind of enjoyed, and then we started doing this in 2014. And we are really good friends now because, of course, every week you share uh, the stuff that went wrong. And I'm sharing where I missed out as a father, and I'm sharing where I let uh, where I slipped the ball uh, with my with my wife, and then we pick it up together. And then he said, "Okay, let's try it again this week. Um, there's a fresh week uh, ahead." So, but build these kind of systems for yourself that help you become the person that you want to be. Uh, that's everyone is worth that, uh, but you need to arrange these systems yourself. No one else is going to do that for you. One of the things we have to do is take the self out of self help right? Don't do life alone. And the other dynamic is you're not the only one. You know, I think it's always encouraging when you find out, oh, me too. You know, oh my gosh, you've been through that yourself. You know, I've recently been engaging with some pretty successful business people, men and women, who are in a similar stage of life that I have. They've run their companies for 30 years. They've been driving hard and so on and so forth. And it's kind of wild that because you think you're unique or even you might think you're special. Or you might think you're broken and, oh my gosh, no one screwed up like me. And then you get together with this group of people and and it's like, to a person, it's a common journey. To a person, you know, and it's just like, there is nothing that's new under the sun. And there are very few things that we've encountered that someone hasn't encountered. 
But one of the old principles of the book Think and Grow Rich was the power of the mastermind. Napoleon Hill spent 25 years studying the most successful people on earth. He also studied a bunch of people who failed. And he broke it down into 13 principles after 25 years. And one of them was the power of the mastermind. And he basically, his principle was one and one together is 11. And that ideas are more powerful than money. Because, you know, if I have a dollar and you have a dollar, Rick, and I give you my dollar, you, you give me your dollar, we each walk away with a dollar. But if I have an idea and you have an idea, and we share those ideas, we each walk away with two ideas. And having someone on the journey with you is a powerful thing. There is so much more. We could do two more episodes. I love the depth. I love the practicum. Bottom line is, you got to get the book. It's called Grip. It's phenomenal. I highly recommend it. It's practical. Having, like I've talked here, and I'm the old man of the sea. I'm 35 years around this stuff. This is a fresh approach to some old problems with some tried and true principles that it does have a fresh approach. And it has a fresh approach for the old guard like myself, but also really breakthrough for a lot of young folks. And I really appreciate that, Rick. I do this with a lot of guests over the years. You didn't know this was coming. Of course. And I know I've had you in the hot seat all day today. Sure. But I like to have these kind of rapid fire questions. Sure. To just get a little different perspective outside of the productivity and do your best with them. What's the single best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Ooh, okay. Um, the best piece of advice, I would say that um, the, 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 to ignore the, the best pieces of advice that are out there. Um, to go to follow your follow your lead and don't be afraid to uh, to just try some stuff. I mean, uh, there there is plenty of time to follow uh, the usual paths. Trust your own gut. All right. What one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that you currently don't? I'm unable to catch a ball uh, and to do any any types of sports uh, activities, um, and uh, <laughs> and that would be. <laughs> <laughs> that's something that sometimes I I am um, I'm a bit of a bit um, uh, how do you say it ashamed of. Yes. Here's what I can tell you: you got young kids. Yes. You'll be catching a ball yeah, you'll, yeah. to whatever degree, and they'll <laughs> think you're they'll think you're a superstar. That's good. But you know, everybody gets different gifts, right? We all get different gifts. Oh, yeah. That's what makes it up. So uh, you know, I can't play the electric guitar in uh, Carnegie Hall, and I'm not ashamed of that. But I, I would like to be able to. What book has been most instrumental for you? If there's a book, there's a right. This has really influenced me. What would you say? Well, I can go multiple directions. Um, I loved the <clears throat> the 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 book "Dreams for My Father" from Obama, um, and the reason for that, I still I, and I'm, I'm not sure if I want to go in, into politics at some point. I do think there's a lot of value to be gained, and um, his book is super powerful in terms of of lighting that fire that doing public work can be really beneficial and, and life-changing nice. for a lot of people. Well, I know this. If you get into politics, you're going to be a very productive politician. So the world could use a bit more of that for sure. I don't know if you're much a movie watcher or whatever else, but is there one movie that whenever it's on, you stop and watch it? Is there one that holds a special place for you that, you know, if it's on, you it'll, even if you grab five minutes of it, you'll stop and watch? Okay, there's two. One is The Lord of the Rings is an timeless ah. t- timeless thing and yeah. um and I, and I love the book but I also love the the series so I would I would do that second um yeah. is band of brothers uh, as a mini series ah. um, and it's like the the end of the series where um where the old winters uh speaks about how um how he's describing some letter that that he got which, which is about 
um, I think it's a grandchild that that asks, "Were you a hero in the war?" And that he then then he then says, "I'm I served in a company of heroes." Sometimes I feel that um, that my generation misses out a little bit of um, this one purpose that you that you commit your life to. Um, and I'm amazed by the fact that these guys did this. Um, so I love that series. Um, but I also feel, on the other hand, is that it's sometimes hard to see the challenges that we are facing right now that we can contribute to right now. Um, yeah. Well, let me tell you something interesting, because that's one of my all-time favorite programs and my family's programs, and I play the music probably one time a day. When I actually write, set goals, and do my to-do list, I set it to, I have five songs, and one of them is the theme song for Band of Brothers. Unbeknownst to me, I met those guys. I was doing an event in Houston, Texas years ago, and a lot of those where they interview them and they talk to them before and after each episode, they filmed it in Houston, in the hotel where I was, and they were there for three days, and then because they had a reunion. Oh, really? And oh, wow. I had all these conversations, and I, I was like, I'm, years later, I'm watching Band of Brothers, and I go, hang on, I met that guy, and I met that guy, because I've always been interested in the military, and and I've always honored these people. So let me give you this one encouragement for you. And you talk about a lot of people your age. None of those guys felt like heroes at the time. And I think a lot of times when we're doing heroic work, we don't even know it. And by the way, you might be in the midst of heroic work right now because this work that you're doing, although it's productivity, and you wrote a book, and you're here on a podcast, and you're doing your work as a result of it, if it helps people get organized, productive, it reduces people's stress. If it takes tension out, there's marriages that'll be improved. There's people who will be better parents as a result of it. There's people who, their business doesn't go bankrupt because they're productive. You know, so the truth of the matter is, you may not feel like much of a hero today and that you didn't save the world or become president of your country. But believe it or not, those guys didn't feel like heroes at the time. But the truth of the matter is, that's where the heroes are. And usually nobody makes a movie about them, uh, not in their lifetime. So in my book, you're already on the path, young man. Well, thanks. I'll leave you with this. What is the good life? When you hear the phrase good life, you see this sign behind me. What does the good life mean to Rick Pasteur in Amsterdam? It comes down to spending the time the way you want to spend it and realizing that you have way more control over that than most people think. Uh, and then it starts with the calendar, uh, but it's also realizing getting to know yourself and what's, what's, what's giving flow, what, what's bringing you, what, 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 um, what, makes, what makes you lose the tr- track of time. Uh, and for me, that's programming and coding. Like it's uh, <laughs> it's as simple as that. And if I do that, I lose track of time, and then suddenly it's it's two three a.m. Uh, so um, that's a good life, uh, and I, I would love to chase that. Yes. Well, you have developed some cool techniques and processes for people to grasp a hold of time. You can make more money, but you don't get more time. And time is our most precious asset. And at the end of the day, that's really what your work is. That's what this book is, and that's what these two interviews have been about. I appreciate you spending your time. I know I'm not an easy interview because me and my staff, we research this book. We really know your stuff. And then when we're asking it, you're probably surprised the depth at which we're asking it because we really know your stuff because we really want to help the people who are listening. I appreciate it. They're looking for solutions. And you were a gamer staying up late there in Amsterdam. I want to thank you for being on the show. I wish you the very best. I hope a lot of folks run out and get a copy of Grip. And I wish you the very best in the future. Thanks for being our guest on It's a Good Life. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me. Well, for someone who introduced me to a lot of the good life, her name's Therese Buffini, and she didn't know all these techniques, but she seemed to, as a little Irish mom, seemed to know how to get things done all day long, keep the six kids fed, keep the house moving, and uh, at the same time took time to 
develop a bit of humor and a good life for all of us. So I'm going to leave this message today in the hands of the patron saint for me of the good life, Therese Buffini. Take it away, Mom. May the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.